Welcome to the real show. Good Here to see are. you there, Pastor Rudat. It is good to see you too, uh, Harley. Coming, coming from the uh, from the outer banks of the known universe. Uh, in your travels, your five-year mission to boldly go where no one has gone before. And so thank you for tuning in and joining us. This is a great show. <laughs> we're, we're starting something new. We're going to see if we can do a like real Bible study together. We've kind of flirted with this idea where we would look at a parable together. Now we're just going to go straight through the Bible and see if that works for a podcast. Yeah, actually studying God's word together over the air. So not really together, but actually still yet talking with each other. Although it makes it very difficult. There's this uh, a part of me that uh, has rage that wants to build up. When I look at the picture and I see uh, Star Trek in the back, I just, I want to lash out irrationally. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll put a background of books to make them feel better. I'm all about your dopamine levels, Will. That's calming. Seeing all those books is calming. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a show about uh, real life and living faith, and we are here to share God's word with you. But uh, if there's something that you find troubling or or perhaps even offensive, um, we invite you to reach out to us. This is meant to be the beginning of a conversation and not the end. So please reach out to us, castingnetspod at gmail.com. You can also talk to us in person at Emmanuel Lutheran in Shirley or at St. John in Maribel. Absolutely. And uh, we have some great, great show. A couple shows, probably, that are coming up. Another one of our looking at the Bible, uh, book of the Bible kind of show. So if you're looking for a Bible study and you're like, I have no idea, I don't want to read, <laughs> this is a good alternative. <laughs> we'll, we'll do the reading for oh you. Yeah. <laughs> we All should right. really start the show before it depresses. <laughs> We're finding out if this really works or not. Uh, and perhaps it is better in person than it is online. But uh, Rain me in. <laughs> Let's... Well, <laughs> you you can't even let me do my dad jokes uh, in the introduction I because I have to be like, this is going off off the rails, you know, way out into outer space. I, and I will let I have you to do one dad joke. Disengage. Dad joke. Go ahead. No, you have one dad joke. You, I'll let you have one. Okay. Have one. <laughs> two doors open a lot of things in life. Uh, two words open a lot of doors in life, and they are push and pull. All right. Well, with that, let's start the show. <laughs> I thought you said you had a dad joke. <laughs> no dad jokes, huh? No dad jokes today. Okay. All right. Lately, life has it felt like I've hit a speed bump, but I'm slowly going over it. All right. See, you can do your sound effects now because we're doing this online. I'm trying to find some. No. Nope. Not going to do your sound effects? I'm not going to do my sound effects. All right, great. Good. I could do my sound effects. <laughs> but it's nice when it's just the silence. <laughs> <laughs> Insert groan here. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So, 
without further ado. So let's James. begin on, yeah, the, the background of the book of James. Um, Martin Luther had something to say about it in 1522. He called it the epistle of straw, which sometimes as pastors, maybe we shortcut him or don't give him the credos that he deserves because we just refer to that and we forget that in 1537 he dropped that um, nomenclature for the epistle of straw. He did quote from the epistle of straw, but let's just... Before we, we go down that path, let's just explain why Luther might have said it was an epistle of straw. Well, you know, um, <clears throat> James is a hard book, and when, uh, uh, when Luther said those words, he was, he was really at the, that beginning point of his battle with a lot of what the Catholic Church was doing, which was based on works. Do this, and God would respond. Do th live this way, and, and then you would earn. And so when he, he confronted the words of the Spirit in James, he was triggered. That was uh, his early trigger warning. And he said, you know, um, this is God's word. I acknowledge it that it's God's word. But he said, this, is, this could lead to a lot of really bad places if we don't take it in the right context. And so he, he really looked down on it. But later on in the book of Concord, they quote from the book of James quite extensively um, because it is there for good and godly living. So he, he, does, do, he does turn around, but it doesn't uh, remove that, that name, uh, the Epistle of Straw, because it's just a neat name. <laughs> it, it, is just, it is just a fabulous name. Um, it, it's it's biblical if you think of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, when it talks about the different foundations. Some of them are yep. of straw. Where if you would compare James to, say, Romans or Galatians or Ephesians, as far as justification goes, Romans, Galatians, and Ephesians are the gold, and James is kind of the straw because he's not really addressing justification. He's talking about Christians who are already uh, living the life of faith. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he really... Uh, um, James really is, is looking at a, a very specific point in our Christian walk, as opposed to the rest of the epistles that, uh, that kind of open up the door and say, we're going to talk about faith from beginning to end and, and how, how this happens and how the Lord works. James takes a step back and he says, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus my attention on talking to the people who are believers, who know their Lord and Savior, who have been brought in to faith by the Spirit, um, what do we do with them? Um, and, and in that case, I think this was what makes James important for us um, because I think sometimes we struggle, and I know I struggle too, uh, this whole thing with sanctification. Um, what do we get to do now that we are Christian? Um, because it's so easy to slip down that slippery slope and say, I have to do these things. And as soon as I say that, it's the law. Mm -hmm. and, and this is no longer gospel freedom. Um, and James does this beautiful job of painting the freedom of a, of, of a Christian 
in such a way where he says, if you're doing the things that are against the Lord all the time, the question is, are you a Christian at all? But if you're struggling with this, this, this is the Christian life, that there's this struggle going back and forth um, between these two things. So I, I think it's a, a beautiful book for us to take a look at. It's one that I don't think people approach from a gospel standpoint as much as they should. Um, and definitely one that I think a lot of Lutherans kind of pull back from. And um, there's, there's some good nuggets. We'll quote the nuggets, but we, we kind of pull back from it because it does take some explanation. It does take some background in, in what is justification, background in what has the Lord done beforehand before you can approach it. I would agree. Uh, let's uh, move on as we've talked about the book itself and how others have talked about it. Let's talk about the author himself, James. Uh, which James are we talking about? There are different theories about which uh, James wrote it. Um, and uh, part of it has to do with when do you think the book is written? Um, because you're thinking, well, James, uh, Big James, uh, from one of the 12, he could have written it, except um, he was killed in 44 AD. So it's... Uh, and he dies pretty early. <laughs> <laughs> so your other two options would be uh, James, the Lord's brother, or James, uh, one of the apostles who is the son of Alphaeus. Those are your two options. Yeah, there's actually some more. Um, there's the James, the son of Alphaeus, James, the lesser. Uh, of course, there's James, the greater. Um, That's the one he, I just like mentioned. Said, yeah. Right, he was executed by Herod, uh, executed. Um, you also have... Um, uh, the father of the apostle Judas. Oh, he, he was named James, um, and so could he have have done that? Um, and then, of course, you have another James, uh, who possibly could have written, and that would be uh, someone who is a brother of one we know very well, Jesus. Yeah, those are okay. So I'm so curious about uh, James, the father of Judas. Is there any anybody who says that it's James, the father of Judas? No, I'm just giving you all the different Jameses that we know in Scripture that are connected to faith that would have enough uh, that you could throw out. We don't know really anything about him. Um, he's he's a lesser, very much lesser known James. So so we're really stuck with three then. Would be James, big Three James, who contending. 44 AD, he's gone. Uh, he's right. in heaven, uh, enjoying the victory won for him by Christ. You have James, the son of Alphaeus, who is one of the 12 apostles. Or you have James, who is uh, the brother of Jesus, who in Galatians 1 is mentioned as an apostle. So it's one of, the, well, he's mentioned an apostle and James, isn't it? Isn't that the sequence in Galatians? Um, so... Is James yeah. one of the 12 apostles, or is he just uh, like like the Apostle Paul, one that was added later? Yeah, I think in Galatians it's reference to, <coughs> I'd have to go back into Galatians, but isn't that more of a reference to he had gone and talked with Peter and and James, <coughs> that the apostle is, is really Peter, um, not the brother? I, I think there's... Uh, you know, there's some, yeah, go ahead. some good defense. There's some good defense for... Um, James, the brother of Jesus, writing this, yeah. as opposed to uh, some of the other Jameses. You'd mentioned the one he dies right away, uh, or fairly soon. Um, so that that kind of prohibits him from doing a lot of writing. Um, I think the 
some of the other cases, <clears throat> we don't really have them stand out in Scripture. So why would uh, why would they stand out now in in this work? Um, so I I've, think there's I've yeah, opened up to on. Galatians one, which is I saw none of the other apostles except James. So it's, it's like, well, is it really James, or is he just saying I saw none of the other apostles, the the eleven? Right. Except I saw James, who was in some way a prominent, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, is somehow a prominent leader in the early Christian church. So it's not necessarily identifying apostle, James the apostle, so I should clarify on that. It's just, he's kind of in that same gr grouping, but it's an indirect reference. Yeah, I think, that, I think uh, Eusebius does us a favor, uh, the historian, Eusebius does us a favor when... Um, he he kind of gives us an idea of the James that we're probably talking about, um, and Eusebius says that that he was uh, the brother of Jesus, a church leader of great uh, import in Jerusalem, um, and very well respected. Um, and so I I think following that um, it, it rests fairly well that this is the brother of Jesus who came to faith after the resurrection. Um, he is not the only brother to do so. Jude um, also uh, comes to faith and he writes uh, and is, the, the spirit uses him to write um, in the New Testament. So uh, I am very comfortable saying it is the brother it's of Jesus. I know uh, there are others who, who say, well, why would he not mention that if, <laughs> because that's not, yeah. It's not because, and, and I think it's because um, James has grown in this entire life of before the crucifixion, rejecting his his own brother uh, by flesh, um, who is his savior, also by the divine nature. He he doesn't view that connection the same way that we would. He he doesn't view this as a name drop. He he doesn't say, "Well, I'm Jesus' brother, so listen to me." He says, "No, I'm I'm." You know, a servant. I'm a servant of of the Lord. Yeah, and especially as he's talking about humility and our stations in life um, in the te in the book itself. So you see, this is the guy who who actually practices what he preaches. He actually lives uh, what he talks about. He's not just do as I say, not as I do, uh, kind of a person. And 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 right off the bat, verse one, a servant of God. So, like you said, he could have just name dropped. I'm the I whether or not he was an apostle or not, but I'm the brother of the Lord Jesus. I'm the leader of the Church of Jerusalem. Hear, hear what I have to say. He just says, servant of God. Yeah, and of the Lord Jesus. I mean, he's really, he's, he's highlighting both natures of Christ um, in his very beginning. <laughs> oh, that's an awesome point. <coughs> I mean, he's, he was just, you know, he was my older brother. Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> 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 my embarrassment is in there in the gospels of you know thinking that he yeah. was uh, out of his mind it's it's all there but i learned uh, this is yeah. this is the real truth that he is both god yeah. and man yeah and, and that's an important thing for us to take away from it is is so much time in our life we make mistakes there there are many times in our life where we make the bad choices we 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 go the opposite way that god has has asked of us and during this life, in this time of grace, there's always the callback. There, there's, there's always grace to be had. There's always the cross 
that that takes away that burden and the resurrection that guarantees that we are forgiven and that we are declared not guilty. Um, and you see that with James, that, that, I mean, he lived this entire life in the shadow of his brother. Um, you know, he stood as one of the brothers and said, quit, quit preaching like you're preaching. Quit doing this kind of stuff. Stop it. Um, and out of his entire family, <clears throat> it's only his mother who stands at the foot of the cross. Um, I mean, so much so that, that Jesus doesn't even turn to his brothers to say, Mom, let them take care of you. He, he gives that spiritual um, responsibility to John. I mean, what a humbling experience for James. What a humbling experience that when, when Mary left that day, she went to the house of John instead of his. You know, he, he, uh, and, and when he's like, mom, mom, come on. And she's like, no, she says, my Lord has said, this is where I belong. What a, what a humbling turn of events. Yeah. And to use a Star Trek reference, he is now the older brother, John. Nope. Only one person, two people will get that. Here's the last one. Anyway, uh, enough about the author. Let's talk about the date. For a variety of reasons, many scholars think that this epistle was written quite early. Uh, why is that? Well, uh, mostly because we have the fall of Jerusalem that comes in 74. And um, we have James himself, who is martyred in 50s. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> he's thrown off the the temple mount <coughs> and and killed so you have a very short window of of time where all the jameses are able to do something <laughs> any of the jameses are able to do something um it's it's really not bad time to be named james cancel culture was alive and well in the first century it was <laughs> um so you have you have a uh, you have a competition really between the Gospel of Mark and the Book of James as to which one was written first. Um, I would probably hang my hat on saying they they probably came out in the same time. Um, you know where where you have the work of of Peter and his ministry through the pen of of John Mark. And you have James um, doing this work. And, and here's my defense. Peter seemed to hang around Jerusalem quite a bit. Um, and when, when Paul goes back to visit Jerusalem, Peter's there. He meets with Peter. Um, you know, you have uh, James, of course, is there because he's, he's the pastor of that congregation. I'm thinking those two probably coincided. They, they, they had a lot of ministry opportunities together. Um, and, and so um, there's a lot that they would share. So I, I vote for I vote for early 40s, mid 40s. Yeah, for I, its writing. I, I'd also add to it that there's no mention of the um, the famine in Jerusalem. So the if he's writing to the diaspora, sure. to the Christians, including the Jews throughout the world, the Christian Jews throughout the world, wouldn't he mention something about the famine? Now, of course, that's his choice. He could say. 
it's plausible for him to, to not mention it because it's, well, it, it's not any greater than anywhere else in the world, but, um, or the sufferings of those around us are just as, as important as ours if you can think of the humility of James. But it, it, it is something that happened, the famine, and Paul mentions the famine, but uh, James, James does not. Sure. And, and is he saying, I, I guess there's, you know, he does mention, he, he mentions suffering. Um, could that include suffering from a famine? It, it, it's possible. Um, I, I think it's better to say it's early writing uh, comes from the fact that his timetable yeah. is, is so short. Um, yeah. So that, that gives, you, gives you a very small window of opportunity to, to see him write and be led by the Spirit. So. so let's move on and talk about the recipients of that letter. Yeah, uh, He's considered to be one of the Catholic epistles. The Catholic is a word with a capital, with a small c or s capital C, one of the two, whichever one that means universal. So he's writing to all Christians. There's not a specific group. All of the epistles, obviously, in some way, are written to all Christians of all time, but there wasn't a specific audience that he's targeting this letter towards. So... I have two questions, and I would like to ask you uh, dealing with this. And I agree with you. This is this is more of the, the universal church epistle. My question to you is: What is your opinion about those who say this was less of a lighter, uh, less of a letter, and more of a sermon? Well, it follows uh, the Beatitudes, doesn't it? It kind of follows the. Uh, how Jesus would preach his sermons in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five. So it, it could, I could see that where it is it his, he wants to write a sermon to the world. And of course, this is the early church. Paul hasn't written uh, many of his letters yet. Perhaps this is a different genre uh, that was the Holy Spirit was in inspiring James to write and to write like this. Um, and uh, for that, it gives us great encouragement because the Holy Spirit inspires men to write and encouragement also in the different genres that are there in the New Testament. Uh, and I think there's also something to be said, uh, adding to that, that he has a familiarity with his people. Um, and, and I think there's that connection, right? Um, he knows the things they're struggling with. He, he, he's able to confront some of those things on more of a personal level. Um, but to the recipients, I, I would say he's he's definitely talking to believers. So, like you said, to the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes, and the, and the really the whole Sermon on the Mount. Even though maybe other people were there listening to it, um, he was speaking to his disciples. Jesus was speaking to those already who who the Spirit had worked on. Um, James is doing the same thing. He's he's. This is not like uh, to like the Romans where you have a catechism <laughs> being given in the first in the first eight chapters. Um, this isn't written necessarily to the Corinthians where I'm going to go back and I'm going to teach you the basics of faith and then we're going to kind of work our way forward. Um, this is James saying, I'm assuming you already know. I'm assuming you're already here, that you are a part of this body of Christ. So I'm just going to... He's he's preaching to the Lutheran Church, and he has Lutheran prayers, so that we don't have to explain why they're Lutheran prayers because you're in the Lutheran Church. 
this is yeah. Not that I'm saying that he was. I mean, if he was still alive, he would be Lutheran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would have the St. James James Church instead of St. James Lutheran Church. Um, <coughs> let's talk about the style of the book. Sometimes he's very blunt, uh, direct, uh, vivid, practical, very practical. Uh, lots of vivid pictures that he uses, like. Um, uses the picture language like he talks about the sea and wind and sun and grass and flowers and horses and birds and sea creatures and springs and figs and olives and grapes and rain and farming. So he's just attaching things to very material things. It's not pie in the sky, big philosophy stuff, which is... Yet he's he's also specific. He's also specific. Um, and and maybe overly so sometimes. Uh, when you go through the book, you're, you you sometimes think, oh, that was a beautiful illustration. And then he comes right around and he's like, now I'm going to pick on exactly what you're struggling with. <laughs> I mean, he he doesn't make it in the general sense. He he becomes very specific. He has some very specific sins, um, or, or specific attitudes that he highlights, um, which good preaching style good writing style i mean the, the the holy spirit inspired it but it's one of those things that we you know as preachers we would step back and say how specific should you really be <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> um you know i'm pretty sure fred knew i was talking about him right there <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a professor who once said that uh throughout his ministry, he would actually put people's names on the pulpit of people he was going to address. Oh, that is horrible practice. <laughs> <laughs> With as many people walk around the altar area <laughs> before church. <laughs> 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 Who's pastor talking about today? <laughs> I, I have never done it. It's just that suggestion. Sure, <laughs> yeah. And I know you and I have talked about sometimes uh, our sermons are, as we read the room, as we're preaching, we recognize that this is actually, this what we're saying now is, is directed to that individual, maybe their, the way that they look at us or the, ma- the way that uh, um, we look at the nonverbals, we see they, this is really hitting them. I got to make sure that when I get to the gospel, I also salve whatever hurt I just caused. Right. A- and sometimes you have to pull back. Sometimes you're like, okay, I've, that was I intended to say more, but that was enough, um, and and so I need to to pull back from that. <coughs> no, that's uh, it, it it it's beautiful. His um, speaking of it, the writing style of his book, I think it's beautiful. But what makes me approach that it's less of a letter and more of a sermon is um, his transitions are not what you would expect in a letter so so sometimes the flow isn't isn't there um and so it's like he he hit a point but then he's gonna go and he he just switches and hits another point which is a lot of times how preachers can preach um so it's one of these things where where um that may be the case for it being more of a sermon than a letter because in a letter you would say Okay, we're going to bounce back to I said this before, and and sometimes he, you don't have that connect, um, in what he's saying, um, you you have okay, I'm going to talk about temptation, and then we're done with temptation, and I'm going to talk about your language, 
um, where he's he's kind of just hitting the topics as he goes down the line. So it, it, it's a beautiful book, um, something worth discussing. Should we jump on into it, or do you have any more intro stuff? I, I got to go through your notes. <laughs> you got a bunch of notes you sent me, and I – I, don't, I have it open on my other page here because you're not here to actually tell me what I'm missing. Um, <laughs> not, not there to point it at. I was going to try to point out, try to, I had a, an idea to, to post the, an outline for the book but uh, on there, but I, I can't do that quickly and talk at the same time. But uh, if you look at it, perhaps one theme for the book is a living, saving faith or a saving, living faith or uh, however you want to, to describe it. Uh, you have a faith that's under fire. That's in chapter one, uh, the first half of chapter one. Then you have a faith that's alive. That's the second half of chapter one. You have a faith that is selfless and loving. Chapter two, the first half. Second half of chapter two, a faith that's real, a faith that's truly wise. That's chapter the first. That's all of chapter three. And then the first half of chapter four is a faith that's selfless and humble. The second half of chapter four is a faith that says, "Lord willing." Chapter 5 is a faith that's fair, and a chapter 5 at the end, a faith that's uh, patient and prays. So if you if you like outlines yeah. for the book, there's your outline, it, one of the outlines that are out there for that book. But like you say, it's, it's a sermon, so it, it has its own ebb and flow. Sometimes you uh, look at particular things and you focus on those uh, points as, he, as he's going through. But, but I think you did a, a really good job in the outline of of stepping back and saying the the main thread through the entire book is is living faith um i mean this is re- and really the, you, you could you could say it's our podcast motto real life living faith uh, how is faith expressed and seen in your life and 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 the connector is faith not necessarily the topic okay we talked about temptation now we're going to talk about how it how this works and that no the connector is okay faith how does faith see us through temptation how does faith see us through our speech how does faith see us through our gathering wisdom and what is wisdom how is how does our faith and and, and i think maybe to be said it, it's not just faith hanging out there it's faith in an object and and in this case the object is christ faith in Christ now has a result throughout life. And and here are the ways you're going to struggle. Here are the ways you're going to be tempted. Here are the ways that you're going to not be the one you want to be or how you want to be. Um, so, All right. yeah, some good stuff. So let's start. Let's, let's, let's start. Go. Yeah, he's, get, he's getting impatient. He wants to get into God's I, I word for some am. reason. Yes. Here we are. We're in James 1. Uh, we are reading from the EHV, the Evangelical Heritage Version. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are scattered abroad, greetings. Consider it complete joy, my brothers, whenever you fall into various kinds of trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces patient endurance, and let patient endurance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking place to stop there you want to start us off talking about a servant of god what is what and all of that <coughs> so talking about a servant of god um you know you you uh 
you're talking about one who is obligated uh, or um, something that, that seems obligated to, to follow and to fall under a certain order. Um, if I remember correctly, going back, the, the, the word is doulos, uh, slave, um, one that is, is uh, kind of under the compulsion of. Um, and so he's, he sees himself as one who, in a joyous way, has no choice but to share, right? I, I, I'm, I am a servant of the Lord. I am a servant of God. Um, if I don't speak, you know, it's going to boil inside of me. I need to see. I need to say these things. Um, so that servant term is, is just an amazing term. It's something that Paul talks about. Um, Peter talks about it, um, what it means to be a servant and falling under the kind of the obligation of service. So, um, but that comes into his comments in two through four, right? Um, that being a servant, being in this is complete joy. Um, so what do you have to say about that, two through four? So I was, I'm sorry, I'm working on my sound being weird. There's a something going on with sound being weird. Well, you're good now. It's only when you had the, the scriptures up. It was the devil trying to keep you from reading. <laughs> <laughs> it sped up as soon as I went to the scripture screen. So now see, here I am sitting in the scripture screen now. I'm good now. So if I would go like this. Now does my sound seem weird? Nope, you're good. They said it sped up. Huh. Anyway. Um, okay, so chapter uh, verses 2 and 4, consider it pure joy. Yeah. So it we're seems talking so about backwards. So backwards to say when I face trials... I should be happy about that. Uh, that is not how we normally operate. We operate joy um, whenever everything's going well. And I have overcome an obstacle, and now things are going well. I've, I've, uh, now, now I don't have any problems. Now I should be joyful. And James says, no, it's the exact opposite. Consider pure joys whenever you face trials. So I have a question for you. Um, are trials necessarily bad? So, so is is James referring like only to bad trials, or is he just saying any trial? I mean, life is filled with trials of all sorts of types. Um, what do you think? Um, isn't trial a result of evil in the world, or you're you're saying? I think uh, what you're trying to get at, I think, I'm trying to read your mind. I, that's not always a bad thing to read Pastor Will Harley's mind. It's never a good idea. Just deal with what he says, never what you think he's saying <laughs> uh, <laughs> or where he's going. Just you know, just listen to his words. Uh, <laughs> um, some some in the comments are talking about, you know, like working out and those kinds of, those kinds of trials. I... I I, what I struggle with is for the Christian, when you are engaged, when you are brought into the family of God, 
there is someone out there who doesn't want you to be in the family of God yet. Satan, of course, uh, who um, wants you outside of the kingdom. You also have your sinful nature that's fighting against this new person that God has created inside of you through the work of the Holy Spirit. So for us to say that the trials are something major, I would I would back away from that. I wouldn't say, well, if you're facing a huge trial like a loss of a loved one or a loss of a job or, or, or a divorce, someone who has abandoned you, that that's only what James is talking about. I think we have to broaden our scope and think of because we are Christians, we are facing trial. This is this is a a cause of our joy because it knows that we are redeemed, that there is that we are not on Satan's team anymore, that uh, we are on the side of light that is now en- engaged with the darkness. Sure. Uh, th- the only reason I ask the question is because I wonder I wonder if we always make the assumption that 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 trials are bad. And I don't know if we can. I mean, Adam and Eve were they encountered a trial in the garden, right? Um and sin hadn't even entered into creation. But the trial was was to was to test, right? The to test the the metal, to test the the purity of what was there. And and I'm not dissuading that there's many times we fall to these trials, but I, I don't know if trial in and of themselves is a bad thing. Um, you, you have these things that lead to the testing of our faith, leading to um, endurance, um, God placing things and allowing things to enter into our life, not because they're bad, but because he's building us up to something greater. He's building us up to something more. And, and I just, I think it's always a disservice to God's people to think that every time you encounter something in your life, it's a horrible event. It's, it's, it's horrible, you know. I, I, like where you're, I like where you're going, and I like um, what the comment was. You know, how, how else do you grow unless you are challenged in some way? Where um, for us to, to get away from the victim mentality, oh, woe is me, this bad thing happened to me, and now this other bad thing is happening to me, to, to turn it around and say, here's an opportunity for me to grow. Here's an opportunity for me to exercise my faith. Yeah. And I think that was seriously built into creation. And I know there's other people that maybe just, and that's fine, disagree with me. But but I think that was built into creation, that, that God would present us with challenges. Not challenges to intend us to fail, that they're traps that we fall into, and now, ha-ha, we're caught. Um, but that these would be challenges for us to to show our reliance, challenges to show our growth, challenges to show the capabilities that God has given to us as we live them in the world. Um, and I believe those things are still present because they were built into creation. Um, th- those things are, it, the only problem is this sin has so grossly affected everything that oftentimes those challenges, those trials, they hurt adversely mm-hmm. when they weren't supposed to. Yeah, and we failed to so. them. I think uh, James is going to lead up to that point. And so I, I do like where we, where you went in this conversation where we're talking about trials, yes, from those who are undergoing uh, severe trials, that there is, there's joy in that and that you're going to grow. But it is also a reminder to us that, er, that the idea of trials is so that we would grow, whether they are small or great, that we would uh, grow in the faith that God has given to us, 
that we would grow closer to the one who, who did everything for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that endurance builds things inside of us, right? Uh, what I can handle now, I couldn't handle before. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'll handle later, I won't. What I'll handle or be able to handle later, I can't handle now. So, yeah, that's some good stuff. Shall we keep going? Yeah. As long as your sound is good. Yes. Let's <laughs> <laughs> as long as my sound is good. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives it to all without reservation, without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. In fact, that person should not expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Wisdom. Asking for wisdom. Yeah, what is wisdom? That's the ultimate question, right? Um, what does it mean to be wise? Uh, I, I think in general we would say that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is, seems to be um, the capability of knowing something, book smarts. Uh, and then wisdom is how do I apply this? How do, how do I apply this in life? And I think for the Christian, um, th- you can know, right? You can know the scriptures. You can you can have read them. You could have have them memorized, committed to your memory. Uh, you could have the uh, the creeds sitting up there. You could have the Lord's prayer just ready to go in your head. Um, but how do you apply that? How 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 does that? How do you how do you show that in the way you live your life? Is is really the question that he's focusing on and getting to? Um, because you're going to have trials. Those trials are going to come up. They're testing the middle of your faith. And what is faith? Faith is the assurance that God is with you, the assurance that, that the Lord has your back uh, in Christ. You are, you are his. Okay, live it. Apply it. Bring it into your, bring it into your life. Um, how does that happen? So he says, ask. So talk about that. I really like the idea that James puts on there where he says, God who gives it to all without reservation and without finding fault. So this is God's grace that he gives. He gives us wisdom. He gives us understanding of what's going on in our world uh, and, and going on in our own life too, where God isn't sitting there. I think we've, we've, we've touched on this a little bit. James is going to really hit it home very clearly in a little bit, but God doesn't want us to fail. He wants us to succeed. He wants this, trial, whatever, whether it's great or small, to lead us back to him, to pray to him, and he will freely give. It's not that he's going to, uh, it's not a, a transactional uh, relationship that God has with us where he says, well, you have to do this before I will give, give you that. It is, I'm here to give. Here it is. Um, I will give it to you. Believe that I will give it to you. So, so I, have a, I, I think a lot of people approach this text and say, see, God won't do unless I ask for it. If, if you're not asking, God won't give. And, and from what I'm hearing you say is that's not what God's saying at all. God's going continue to con- continue to give, but how much more is part of that conversation if, as Christians, we would only ask? Um, and, and I think there's a, there's a huge difference in, in the way we approach our Lord that way. Um, we're not saying I have to ask and then God gives me, you know, I have to make the first step. No, God has always made the first step. God is still providing. But there's so much more that, that's in store. Um, 
that that is just the Lord is saying, let's have this conversation, guys. It's right here. Isn't that because people focus on verses six and seven and eight without ver- ignoring verse five? Because verse five, I feel, is the gospel promise. He gives it to all without reservation and without faulting and fa- finding fault. And so, it right, it, it, James is encouraging us not to, when we ask to God, not to think that, well, I've got some other options. You know, if God, if you if <laughs> you don't live up to what you have for me, I've got you know option B and option C. It is rely on God. He is going to give more than you ask. He's gonna he's 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 gonna give not based on. Uh, your faithfulness to him or or your um, obedience to him he's going to give because that's who he is well and actually he he quantifies it doesn't it like you said he even in when you focus on six seven and eight but let him ask in faith without doubting that's the definition of faith <laughs> if you're asking in faith you're you're relying this is the trust this is the the lack of doubt um and then he says, because a person who, who thinks that I'm going to have to have a plan B or C, they're the double-minded, right? They're, they're the ones that aren't building on that solid foundation. They're, I love that they're in the waves um, of the sea, and they're blown and tossed about. Um, so th- these are some, some great, great encouragements that the Lord gives to us and says, so you're in faith— this faith is is by its very nature a lack of doubt, and, and I think that is that is a cool statement to think about. Um, when we step back and we say, "I believe in Jesus Christ," what does that mean? What what is what does it truly mean to believe in Jesus Christ? What does it truly mean to be brought into faith into that? And it's it's total and complete and utter reliance. That, that's what it is. Um, now, how many of us have that? Hey, I think of the Father, right? Help me overcome. I do believe. Everyone, ev- Jesus tells, says everything is possible to him who believes. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And yeah. uh, if, we're, if we're looking inward for uh, do I really have strong enough faith, do I have a faith that isn't uh, wavering or isn't doubting, we're, we're always going to find faults. But if we find a Christ and say, the, this guy never fails me, uh, this guy right. has always fulfilled what everything he promises. The object of our faith is what gives us the confidence that we're going to receive those blessings, not um, looking inward. Absolutely. Uh, stemming off of a God who continues to give um, and not finding fault. And the only reason he doesn't find fault is because <laughs> of Christ. Yeah. Um, I just I just had that this morning in, in catechism. Uh, the kids... Uh, we were we were talking about um, just the, the calling God by His name and and how His name is important, and we were talking about the different gods, you know, how people believe polytheism, pantheism, all these different things. And I said, when someone asks you the question, or when you ask the question, "Do you believe in God?" I said, "How stupid is that question?" I mean, honestly, that is that is probably the worst question you could you could say because everybody believes in almost everybody believes in a god the 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 thing or the question is do you believe in jesus coming to terms with who jesus is um and resting in that because if it was just me and god the father that that's not a sustainable relationship (laughs) He, he says do and i can't 
he says be and I can't. Um, he says don't do and I do. And, and so I need, I need Jesus. I, I need the one who has done for me. I need the one who, who didn't do like I was supposed to for me. Um, just rambling at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have a God. Even atheists have a God. The atheists, their God is themselves. So it's Absolutely. we're worshiping someone or something, and it's always, but uh, even if we say we don't believe in God, we're believing in ourselves, that we are, we are the masters of our own fate. So uh, this, is, this is James being very beautiful in summing this whole entire thing up. He says, if, uh, if you don't have this faith in the object of Jesus, um, and you're anything else on the scale, he says you are double-minded, and, uh, and he says you're unstable. You're crazy. <laughs> uh, and isn't that so true? Um, anybody who does not have Jesus, they're all over the map. They're just, they're, they're crazy. Just simply crazy. Um, but the good part about this text, uh, especially in the very beginning, is notice our part in it is not, I need to produce, I need to do, I need to, our part in it, receive. There it is, receive. There, there it is, it's yours. Um, and, and, and it's it, without fault, just it's there. It's there. You know, dear child, ask, and it's there. Um, so, good stuff. So we are about left. Yeah, we're about yeah. Uh, fifty minutes in. If that's a good place to wrap up, or if you want to keep going, you know, I um, there's a part of me that says we should hit nine through eleven, and then kind of wrap it up because there's a whole section on temptation that's coming, and and that's worth its own time. Right. So so yeah, dear listener, this is how we do podcasts here at Casting Nets. We we don't come. I I like to be prepared, but we don't necessarily have to be prepared. We're just going through the Bible together. We'll see w where the conversation takes us as we learn from each other and as we uh, share with you and, and as you also share with us your insights and questions. So let's look at verses uh, 9 to 11. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his high position and the rich one in his humble position. Because he will pass away like a flower of the field. Indeed, the sun rises with burning heat and dries up the grass. Its blossom falls off and its beauty perishes. In the same way also, the rich person will wither away in his busy pursuits. So what do we have here? You got a uh, um, humble and you got the rich. Um, what do you think? I think it, it follows in this whole. Uh, it follows in the um, in the concept of here we have the trials. Uh, consider it trials. So you're saying, well, what about those who are rich? Shouldn't they? They don't have any problems, right? They, they, there's no. They have no problems. And James is reminding us uh, of this truth that those who are um, sometimes struggling in life, whether it's a big struggle, whether it's a small struggle they are more closely connected to the God who saved them as they go to him in prayer, as they receive his wonderful gifts, whether um, that be his encouragement or wisdom, whether it be his gift of forgiveness and comfort in times of, of trial. Uh, let those who are not engaged so spiritually rem be reminded of the value of being engaged spiritually with the God who saves them. 
and the means of grace that he provides to engage with us. Yeah, how easy is it for someone who has nothing to rely on others? Um, it, there, it, there, is, there is something to be said that it is easier for them um, than it is for someone who has a lot. Someone who has a lot, it's very easy for them to say, well, my money can buy and, and my position can open doors. Um, and, and so we, we in humble circumstances, um, must rely on someone else. And, and I think there's, there's, there's a life lesson in that, of course, but there's even a greater lesson in, in our spiritual walk with our Lord. Um, Luther's once again, uh, on his deathbed clutched in his hand, we are beggars one and all. Um, how awesome to think about that. Uh, I had a, a member in the congregation who, who, uh, it was kind of a joke because, not a joke, be, ha-ha, but, but kind of funny just to think about. Um, he came straight from work. He was in his work pants. Uh, they were dirty. He had been out, and uh, he was tapped on the shoulder. Hey, can you help usher? <laughs> and his <laughs> wife said, his wife said, uh, Pastor, wasn't it great that you had a beggar <laughs> doing ushering today? And I'm like, we're beggars one and all. And she goes, yeah, but he really looked it. <laughs> That's how beautiful to realize that that when we don't have all these things that so easily gives us the quick fix, we, we do become reliant on, on something greater than us. This is a scary uh, thread of verses for American Christians to read, isn't it? Because we are, we're looking around the world and we say, uh, there's so many Christians throughout the world who are dependent on God for their daily bread. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. And here I am, I'm wondering about my 401k and uh, retirement, which is, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And we read this text and we go, um, it is perfectly a natural thing, a Christian thing that these blessings that I have might be taken away because God wants me to grow. And yeah. we're like, I'm not sure I like that. I'm not sure I like that idea. But but it exposes your own idolatry. It exposes your own dependence on, on stuff and how little you engage spiritually with God based on your daily day-to-day life. Uh, but the beautiful part about it is that James is referring to to both of them as believers. Yes. And, and that's, the, that's the beautiful part, which is what you were just saying, you know, Christians in other countries, Christians in the United States. Yeah, there, there are different circumstances. And those who are living in the more humble circumstances, they've got their own challenges that they are dealing with in their walk in, with Christ. We who have more are dealing with challenges too, but it's from a different side. Because the, the, the challenge is it so easily can be, I can just pay for it. I can just do. I can just turn to this. I can just... You know, fill in the blank, um, and so it becomes extremely easy for us to um, lose sight and track of what's going on in, in our walk in faith. Um, you got a couple of bucks, you know, your next meal is is assured. Um, you don't have anything; you're resting on the Lord. Um, but when you don't have anything, you're questioning, "Why don't I have anything?" Which God, you must not love me. God, you must not care for me. Whereas the rich might say, no, God loves me a lot. Look at what he gave me. 
but I don't need him for all this because look at what he gave me. So you've got that wrestling in, in both spots. There we go. I agree. That's that's uh, it's a good place to stop. I think that's uh, as we can look at temptation for next time. And we talked about God's role in temptation and uh, and God providing for us as well. Closing thoughts for our first uh, Bible study here on the book of James. Is there any questions that anyone heretofore wants to ask? Why did we use the word heretofore? Heretofore, because <laughs> I have all these books behind me, and I'm looking at the books in front of you. I'm like, I, I have to, I have to up my game just a little bit. No, I, I think it's a, a good conversation. I think that uh, hopefully my prayer is that as we uh, continue to go through the book of James, we see this as not God's laws um, in the gospel for us to now have to do but the encouragement of what it is. As a Christian, this is who you are. Um, and so in Christ, live it. In Christ, be it. And uh, struggle. Come back for forgiveness. 